This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Blog Talk Radio. Well, from the great white north, Portland, Maine, this is Parenting Your Challenging Child. Welcome to the program. Uh, yes, it's um, snowing again here in Portland, Maine, uh, where Lives in the Balance is located. Of course, the offices of Lives in the Balance located. Lives in the Balance is everywhere because, um, well, because of us being on the web, which means that people everywhere are accessing um, cutting-edge research-based information on why challenging kids are challenging and what we can do to help them. Dr. Ross Green here. It's snowing again. Uh, I wasn't aware that we were supposed to get more snow here in Portland today. It seemed like we got enough already over the weekend, over 30 inches. Of course, we are not alone, and not only that, we didn't even get the worst of it. Looks like some folks in Connecticut got the worst of it, 40 inches. It's a lot of snow. So, um, well, here in Maine, we're tough. We can deal. We'll be okay. Um well, I think I already welcomed you to the program. Here, here's the nice thing about today's program. Um, first of all, callers take priority. So if you call in, uh, 347-994-2981, I'll put you on the air first. Otherwise, my plan for the day is to answer the uh, rather impressive, uh, impressive amount of email that has um, piled up and that for various reasons we have not um, been able to get around to answering by the way, there will be no program next week, February 18th, because of the President's Day holiday here in the United States. Um, but then we'll be back again the following week, February 25th, with another program. And I'll try to answer some more email on that program as well. All right, I'm going to answer a rather recent email first. Uh, and then we will move rapidly into some of the ones that have been waiting a while. Uh, dear Dr. Green, I had commented a couple of months ago on Amazon.com that I was having trouble implementing the techniques in your book, and you responded that perhaps if I sent you a message on this site, you might be able to respond. I've truly been trying to follow the advice in your book, but I am just failing. I can't predict what will set my seven-year-old off. Today, it was driving by McDonald's and seeing the Shamrock Shake advertised. I told him he couldn't have one today. He has a weight issue, and we have to be careful. And he had a fit in the car and nearly caused me to have an accident. I couldn't calm him down. 
Yesterday, he saw a friend leaving, and she told him she was going to the movies, and he had a fit that he couldn't go. It just goes on and on every single day. He throws major tantrums wherever he doesn't, whenever he doesn't get his way or things don't go as planned. I just don't know what to do. He can't be reasoned with. Trying to talk to him just escalates it. When I try to talk to him afterwards, he says he's sorry, but nothing gets better. He's getting more and more physical, throwing things and throwing himself and yelling hateful things. I don't know what happened to the sweet boy he was a couple of years ago. How do I get him to handle disappointment or things not going as he wants? Thank you for any advice. I've read your book twice, and although it all makes sense, I'm just not getting how to deal with this. Well, let's see if I can help. Um, the, The first thing I would say is that These things, as they are presented in your email, sound unpredictable. Um, Him wanting to go to McDonald's and get a shamrock shake. I must say, I I don't follow McDonald's marketing very closely, so I'm not familiar with the shamrock shake, but it sounds extremely appealing. Actually, it doesn't sound appealing at all, but I suppose if I was a seven-year-old, it would be very appealing. And uh, the second one, a friend leaving and saying that she was going to the movies and him having a fit that he couldn't go. All right. Those sound unpredictable, but, and I don't know your situation perfectly, maybe those scenarios had never happened before, but I'm I'm going to bet that him wanting something at a fast food place and you not wanting him to have it has happened before. And I'm even going to bet, although this one I'm not quite so sure about, I'm not sure about either of these, but just betting here, that a friend doing something that he wants to do but forever, for whatever reason, can't, and you didn't give us much indication about what your concern is there about him, um, the friend going to a movie and him not being able to. Um, I didn't quite, you didn't really write about what your concern was in that one. Um, that one I'm betting is not as unpredictable as it sounds either. Now, I could be wrong. It's just that in my work with parents and teachers and staff members who are working with behaviorally challenging kids, I'm not usually wrong about that. So I can't say with perfect precision that these were predictable, but the odds are that they were predictable, which means that we can deal with them proactively. So this is the part, I know that you've read the book, I'm not sure which rendition of the book you've read in later renditions of the book i was much more oriented toward intervening proactively rather than emergently and in the heat of the moment and this is exactly why um the tantrums are happening whenever he doesn't get his way but a major goal here is to make the things that he's not getting his way on as predictable as possible even though at the moment they seem entirely 
unpredictable. And I don't know if those are the ones that you're going to want to start with, but I can promise you this. This I can promise. Everything your kid is throwing tantrums over isn't unpredictable. In fact, most things your son is throwing tantrums aren't over aren't unpredictable with most kids. And I understand that they all fit into the general category of him not getting his way or things not going as planned. That part I get, but that's what I hear from parents routinely. But we can't work on something so vague as him not getting his way or things not going as planned. Those are too vague for us to work on. We've got to start somewhere on two or three highly predictable scenarios, situations. I call them unsolved problems. And the fact that you're not calling them unsolved problems in your email suggests to me that you are reading, or triggers in your email, suggests to me that you are reading a dated version of the book that was out before there was such a strong emphasis on proactive solving of problems. So I get it. He's getting more physical. That tells me that we've got some urgency here. We really want to try to get this solved, get this, get some problems solved. I get it that he's yelling hateful things, and I'm very sorry that he's not the sweet boy he was a couple of years ago. But handling disappointment and things not going as he wants are too vague to work on. We need to work on predictable unsolved problems. I hope you'll email me back and let me know which ones are predictable. That's something that I help a lot of parents figure out. I'm already predicting that wanting something you don't want him to have at a fast food restaurant is something that occurs at least every now and then. If it occurs every now and then, it's predictable. Now, by the way, I want to point out something else. He wanted a shamrock shake. You didn't want him to have a shamrock shake. He has a weight issue, and you have to be careful. So I get it. You didn't do plan C. You didn't just drop it and get him the shamrock shake. But what it sounds like you did do is plan A. See, in those types of scenarios, it's not just him who wants what he wants. It's you who wants what you want. You didn't want him to have the shamrock shake. He wanted to have the shamrock shake. If the solution to that problem was, you're not getting the shamrock shake... You weren't doing plan B. You were doing plan A. And if you were doing plan B, and I am not hearing anything in your email that has gives me any hint of plan B, um, plan B is not going to work if you're doing plan A, and plan B is not going to work if you're doing it primarily emergently. I like that you're trying to talk with him afterwards, and it's great that he's saying he's sorry, but it's afterwards, before the same unsolved problem comes up again, 
that the problem needs to be solved before it comes up again. I'm glad that he's still sorry if y'all keep fighting with each other. Sorry may be the next thing that goes. Sweet, it sounds like, is already gone. Sorry could go next. I'm glad he's still sorry. But we need to be solving these problems proactively using Plan B, not emergently using Plan A or emergency Plan B. So I, since I don't have you on the phone with me, what I would be asking you if you were on the phone with me right now or sitting in my office with me right now would be, what predictable disappointments can we come up with? We only need two or three. What predictable things do not go the way he wants them to? When does that come up? What, what comes up every week? that doesn't go the way he wanted it to or is disappointing, that you all could start solving proactively using Plan B. So I'm, I'm glad Plan B makes sense. Your email does not necessarily suggest that Plan B is what you're actually doing. Your email, to the, the extent that it goes, suggests that Plan A is what you're doing. Once again, if you're doing Plan B, you're doing it emergently. It's not going to work very well emergently, that's what I'd be helping you figure out if you were on the phone with me right now or in my office with me right now. Let's make the seemingly unpredictable predictable. That's the goal. So we've got two or three unsolved problems we can start working on and so that we can get the ball rolling. So we can get the ball rolling on getting you and your son into the habit of doing Plan B proactively, identifying unsolved problems ahead of time so that you can solve them proactively, making what seems to be something that's very global and vague and generic into something that is specific so that you can start solving problems together proactively. You want to get two or three rolling, then the rest will start to be more predictable as well. That might be the as far as I can take you based on what I'm able to glean from your email. I hope that helps. And you are welcome to call in anytime if you want to discuss all of this further. Shall we move on to another one? Let me find one. Hi, Dr. Green. I've been a faithful follower of your approach through your books for many years as I was attempting different approaches to deal with my then-aggressive son. Now, four years later, he is eight years old and he is a different kid. More accurately, we are a different family who is connected through respect for and understanding of each other. Not without problems, we are now armed with tools to resolve these problems. 
I had to learn to accept his lagging skills and calm down so there were more and more teachable moments. It has all paid off. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm delighted to hear all that. My question might be a little odd. I have two boys, ages 8 and 10, and their father and I are divorced. Their father is an authoritarian plan A parent and has not bought into your approach, though not for lack of trying by myself and all our professionals. My 10-year-old is really struggling with this. He has reached that age of needing and yearning for more independence, which comes out in our Plan B discussions. We then work together to give him what he needs and is ready for. His father still gives him timeouts on the stairs for talking back, for instance, which is really just my son voicing his opinion that might go against his dad's view. My 10-year-old comes back stressed and emotionally upset a lot of the time as a result of this. So my question is kind of a flip side of what you normally answer. I'm wondering if you have any advice to give to a 10-year-old on how to deal with a plan A parent who doesn't seem willing or able to change. Now that's a tough one. Not well we're we're, we're going to answer it. But it's a tough one. Um because we're a little backed into a corner here. I'm hearing that Dad, despite your best efforts and the efforts of professionals, isn't buying into the program. The problem is, um, boy, I sure do hate to give up on that. I mean, I will if I have to. I don't usually have to. I sure do hate to have to give up on that. The piece of information I'm missing, and once again, if you were sitting in my office, your your ex-husband in particular, I'd be asking, what's up? What is it about solving problems collaboratively and viewing your child's difficulties through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems? What is it about that that is still concerning you? Help me understand what's getting in your way. When I do that, I usually find out that there are misconceptions. Misconceptions about what Plan B is, misconceptions about still being an authority figure, misconceptions about not giving in on everything, misconceptions. And then I can try to correct those misconceptions and try to help the adult understand why what they were thinking about the model wasn't exactly spot on. I've spent quite a bit of time helping parents, teachers, staff members get their arms around this stuff. And the best way to help them get their arms around this stuff is to find out what it is that's getting in their way in the first place. And that's no different than what one would do with a kid who has a concern about an unsolved problem. We're doing the same thing with an adult who has a concern about Plan B and solving problems collaboratively. But I don't have that information. And so I'm not sure what we would say to the father. What I'm noticing is that it's your eight-year-old who you used the approach with and apparently um, with a good outcome, and I'm delighted about that. It's your 10-year-old who's 
trying to be more independent. Um, and the hard part for your 10-year-old is it sounds like there are things you are willing to have him say in the context of plan B, in the empathy step of plan B. There are things you're willing to hear that his father may not be willing to listen to. I'm just wondering out loud here if the rationale is going to be the same as it would be with a behaviorally challenging kid. There's there's kind of one rationale for behaviorally challenging kids. Plan A causes challenging behavior in challenging kids. Plan A gives us no information whatsoever about what's getting in the kid's way. So solutions that are arrived at with plan A are what I call uninformed solutions. That's the rationale for why to do plan B, because it's in the empathy step of plan B that you're gathering the information you need to solve the problem collaboratively and in a way that is mutually satisfactory and realistic. Is the rationale any different for a kid who is not especially behaviorally challenging? And you've just provided one rationale. He's trying to be more independent. It's good for him to have thoughts of his own, good for him to express them, good for him to learn how to express them in a way that isn't offensive to people. So I'm going to read through the great read through the tea leaves here, um, read the tea leaves, see if I can get my analogies squared away. Your 10-year-old son is voicing his opinion that might go against his dad's view. That's actually a good thing, if his dad's okay hearing it. Is there anything we could say to Dad that would help him be okay hearing it? Not knowing why Dad has an objection to that and not wanting to come to any suppositions about why that might be, I'm not sure what we would say to Dad to help him realize that a kid, a 10-year-old, having an opinion, having an opinion, and being willing to express it, and being open to feedback on how to express it is a good thing. Because if all we do is raise kids who are blindly compliant, blindly adherent to authority, when do they learn how to have opinions and express them in a way that is acceptable and that other people can hear? You don't want to do that with a behaviorally challenging kid because he'll blow, but you don't want to deprive a 10-year-old of his opinions and of the opportunity to learn how to express them and of the opportunity to take listen to other people's concerns and the opportunity to take other people's concerns into account and the opportunity to work together toward mutually satisfactory and realistic solutions. You don't want to deprive any 10-year-old of that opportunity because those are skills that are going to be far more important for life in the real world than blind adherence to authority. 
maybe his father will listen to this program. What do you tell a 10-year-old whose father is going to be simply unconvinced? Um, well, you know, it might not be that different than what you would tell a 10-year-old who's getting Plan B at home and the folks at school won't do it either. Um, if the kid can handle this, and some kids can and some kids can't, Maybe your 10-year-old can. I don't know. When you're at Dad's, you know how Dad is, and you've got to behave a certain way when you're with Dad, and Dad's not interested in your opinion, because that's how Dad is. He doesn't parent the way I do. I wish it weren't so. I wish it were otherwise. He still loves you. He still cares about you. But he's not able to listen to your opinion the same way I do. So I wouldn't give your opinion to Dad the same way you give it to me because he's not able to hear it. I wish it were otherwise. When you come back home to me, I want to hear all about it, and I'm always happy to listen. I'll keep trying to convince Dad that maybe he should listen and that there's no harm in it, but in the meantime, I hate to see you be in time out because you're hoping that Dad will listen the same way I do. He disciplines differently than I do. I know you prefer my way, but I don't know if we're going to get him to do things that way anytime soon. So just like if, if you had a teacher who wasn't willing to listen and who was very authoritative, and who wasn't interested in your opinion, your dad's the same way. There's some great things about your dad. He just doesn't solve problems the same way I do. I hope that flies, because if that doesn't fly, what you're telling me didn't fly with the boy's father earlier, we may have to try harder again. It's a, it's a bit tough to ask a 10-year-old to understand all this stuff. Here's the good news. In the vast majority of families of even well-behaved kids, parents are not on exactly the same page. There is inconsistency. And most kids handle the inconsistency. And the best a parent, the other parent can do is help the 10-year-old understand what that's about, that the plan A parent still has redeeming qualities. They just don't solve problems the same way and aren't as interested in listening to concerns as the Plan B parent. Most families make it through. I hate to see your 10-year-old sitting in time out because he's still hoping his dad will do Plan B if that's not in the cards. 
there you have it. I hope that was helpful, but it's a tough situation and a bit of a tough one for me to respond to as well as I would like without access to a little bit more information. One of our listeners is um, emailing in, and I think that this first one is pertinent to the first email that I read. Uh, This emailer is writing, We too had a child who you never knew when he was going to blow up. We kept a log for a week or two, which helped us, first of all, figure out, I'm I'm ad-libbing here slightly, figure out what the unsolved problems were, and then prioritize our most important two or three unsolved problems. Good for the parent to, for trying to resolve these problems now while the child is young. The sweet qualities are still there. Thank you to our emailer. Here's another um, emailer. It is, and this is pertinent to the second email, I think. It is a very difficult and frustrating situation when you have two parents who have different child-rearing philosophies. My husband and I are polar opposites on this matter. I stuck with my faith in Plan B and did it anyway with my challenging and not-so-challenging children. It wasn't easy, but it paid off with my children. It happens. We can't always get both parents on board, but um, we try. But I I do want to go back to... um, I do the empathy step with parents who are not on board. I want to know what their concerns are because because just in the same way that I can't help a child solve a problem without knowing what his concerns are, I can't help a parent who is not embracing plan B the way we would like him or her to. I can't help them unless I know what's getting in their way. I just can't tell if that approach was tried. So it's hard for me to answer as explicitly as I would like. Okay, here's another one. Hi, Dr. Green. I'm hoping you can address this in one of your webcasts. Here you go. I am new to your model, only two days in, but have found Plan B to already be helping in some areas. Where my six-year-old really has challenges is not getting frustrated slash exploding when something doesn't go as he planned. The computer freezes up, his origami folds aren't perfect, or he trips over a cord. My kid goes from zero to 60 in no time flat. He is so hard on himself, a perfectionist in many ways, anxious and self-conscious. I try to talk him down, but there are, but are there preventative techniques to help him gain the skills he needs? Yes, but my advice is going to be exactly the same. I, I get it. He's not always tripping over a cord. But I bet he does origami more often than he trips over a cord. And I bet the computer freezes up more often than he trips over a cord. And I get it. In the heat of the moment, he goes from zero to 60 in no time flat. The big question is, can we take the seemingly unpredictable and turn it into the predictable? So one question I have is, Difficulty when the computer freezes up, is that more predictable as an unsolved problem than it may seem? Difficulty when the origami folds aren't perfect, I wonder if that's more predictable than it seems. And if it's more predictable than it seems, then we can solve those problems 
proactively, the empathy step would sound like this on the first one. I've noticed that it's very hard for you when the computer freezes up. What's up? And now we need to gather information because it's not its not just that the computer is freezing up. It's your child's, sounds like it's a he, it's your son's interpretation of that, concerns about that, perspective on that, that we need to hear much more about so we can get the problem solved. Different kids get upset for different reasons because the computer freezes up. I know that sounds like one that every kid would get upset over for the exact same reason, but it's not true. Different kids have different reasons for getting upset because the origami folds aren't perfect. Just talking about what the kids' concerns are on that can don't 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 bet the house on this, but can help us in the heat of the moment the next time. But at the very least, we can find out what's going on, why that's so upsetting, put our concern on the table and define the problem step and try to come up with a solution. Ah, now here we go. A solution for what we should do the next time the computer freezes up? A solution for what we should do the next time the origami folds aren't perfect? Or a solution that keeps, that solves those problems so your child doesn't get upset about them in the first place should they come up again? We want a solution, well, I don't know, we, we may want a solution that helps, that keeps the computer from freezing up. A solution that keeps the computer from freezing up? Yeah, now I would need much more information on the conditions in which the computer freezes up. Is this a video game that the computer just doesn't have the bandwidth to handle? Is it having multiple web pages over it open at once? Why is the computer freezing up and is there something do, do we want to just accept that as a given or is there something we can do to solve the computer freezing up problem truth is the, the least desirable solution even though we might want this but the least desirable solution is what your child should do the next time the computer freezes up because now he's in the heat of the moment again and heat of the moment solutions actually don't work so well. So that's going to be the challenge, how to come up with a solution to keep the problem from coming up again, rather than what your child should do the next time it comes up again in the first place. I wonder why the computer's freezing up so often and if there's something we can do about that. The origami folds I'm a little bit less clear on. I don't know if we can keep the origami folds from being imperfect is the solution to not do origami right now because it's too frustrating? I don't know. But I'm not looking for a solution for what happens the next time your child's upset because the origami folds aren't perfect or because the computer freezes up. I'm looking for solutions that keep them from getting frustrated about those things because they're solved in the first place. Now, given some of the things you're describing about your son, perfectionistic, anxious, Self-conscious, those are some of the things I often hear about in kids who are very black and white thinkers. 
black and white thinkers living in a gray world. So we've been talking a lot today about unsolved problems being unpredictable, making the unpredictable predictable. But here's if there's anything cool about black and white thinkers living in a gray world, and there's a lot cool about black and white thinkers living in a gray world. I mean, they're great kids. They're, they tend to be fascinating kids. They, they tend to have fascinating ways of viewing things. But the, one of the cool things about having a black and white thinker, if your child is, and I, I don't know, I'm taking a leap, is that at least knowing that makes things a little bit more predictable all by itself. And that's why I always say that once you know what skills your child is lacking, and I'm, I'm seeing that you're new to the model, but you're only two days in and you're already using plan B, that's good, but you're not saying anything about already knowing what skills your child is lacking. Using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems that you'll find on the Lives in the Balance website to identify the lagging skills. Identifying a kid's lagging skills makes your child more predictable too. So it's not just unsolved problems that makes a kid more predictable. It's the lagging skills too and understanding that when those skills are being demanded, that's what sets your child off. Let's make the unpredictable more predictable, hard as that might sound. And, and yes, easier to do on specific examples when I actually have somebody in my office or on the phone who I can talk through this, but we're doing the best we can. You're always welcome, of course, to call in to the program, and I'm happy to answer things even more explicitly. I hope the information you just got is helpful. We have another email from a listener. Ah, also she has this program on the website for the support she needs. Thank you for reminding me. I'm always assuming that most people are already aware of just all of the resources that are available on the Lives in the Balance website, and all of it free. All right, here we go. One more for the day. Let's see how quickly I can answer this one. Dr. Ian, I have an 11-year-old son diagnosed with ADHD with an emphasis on the distractibility component. He does not have behavior issues at home or school, except that he does not seem to be learning to take control of his schoolwork. Staying on top of assignments, especially long-term assignments, remembering to bring things to school to hand in, etc. In spite of all of this, he is an A-B student. Good for him. That's not easy when you are staying, not having trouble staying on top of your assignments, especially long-term assignments, remembering to bring things to school and hand in. Not easy to be an A-B student when you've got those lagging skills. He does, however, need much supervision and reminders. He is just starting middle school, and from previous experience, his number four of five middle school only gets more demanding of responsibility and organization, managing workload, etc., I do, however, love your approach and philosophy. I am having trouble visualizing how this approach could work with my son's difficulties. Can you point me in any direction? It's hard to classify him as a challenging kid. Well, that's true, but he does have 
some challenges. He's bright, polite, friendly, but from mommy intuition, he does not appear to be fulfilling his potential. All right. You do not have to be a behaviorally challenging kid, whatever that means, for plan B to be helpful. You just need to have lagging skills, which he does, and unsolved problems. And you know what? I'm even willing to, I'm delighted to be um, flexible on the lagging skill part. You need unsolved problems for solving them collaboratively to be a productive way to go. He has both. He has lagging skills, he's distractible, and he has unsolved problems. Um, Keeping track of long-term assignments, remembering to bring things to school and hand in. You're right, it is likely to get worse in middle school. Luckily, some middle schools know that, and they are ready for kids like your son. Others, not so much. Others still have a sink-or-swim mentality, and... Um, most folks don't know this, but my master's thesis and doctoral dissertation was on kids who have difficulty making the transition from elementary school to middle school, and guess which kids had the most difficulty? This is not going to be earth-shattering. The ones who are um, distractible, hyperactive, and impulsive, because those kids often had somebody serving as their um, surrogate frontal lobe in elementary school, a caring teacher, and then either have more teachers in middle school and or have teachers who have a sink or swim mentality in middle school, and so they sink because they don't have those skills. And sink or swim doesn't teach them, despite rumors to the contrary. But I think you have unsolved problems that you could be working on right now, and I think that uh, it sounds like your son's a great kid and... um, He's bright, polite, friendly. Uh, If he'll engage with you in plan B, and I'm not hearing anything about him that would suggest that he couldn't do that, Uh, if he'll engage with you in plan B, um, you guys could start collaborating proactively on solutions to those unsolved problems, whatever they look like. Just make sure they're realistic. Trying harder is not a realistic solution. And quite frankly, it is possible that he's going to need a surrogate frontal lobe on some of these things for longer than was the case with your other four. And you know what? That's okay. He may need a surrogate frontal lobe for longer. I hope, though I don't know if this is going to happen, I hope he doesn't need the surrogate frontal lobe into college, but A lot of colleges have special help for kids who need surrogate frontal lobes. You you don't want him to need a surrogate frontal lobe. You don't want to be doing stuff for him that he can do for himself. I guess we'll have to find out what he can do for himself by coming up with solutions that are realistic. Some kids need help longer than we might wish, but there's nothing about these unsolved problems that... I don't think plan B could be helpful on. Keyword, proactive. It sounds like he needs some strategies. It sounds like he needs somebody's help in helping him work toward those strategies. And one last thing for today. Um, 
often we adults, when we figure out what skills a kid is lacking and figure out what his unsolved problems are, we are so tempted to jump in with solutions. So we kind of do the empathy step, but then we are dying to tell the kid what the solutions are. Uh, we can't do that because well, how's he going to learn how to do it? And how are we going to make sure that the solutions that we adults are coming up with are realistic and mutually satisfactory? We, we might have the best idea in the world, but if it's not realistic and if the kid doesn't think that that idea is going to be helpful, well, then it's not going to work. It might be the best idea in the world, but it's not going to work unless we're doing the other ingredients of plan B. So don't stop at the empathy step, Mom. Keep going. Make sure that the solutions that you're going to run with work for your kid and that you all can actually do what you're agreeing to do. Otherwise, we're doing pie-in-the-sky plan B, and we don't want to do that. Good luck. One reminder, no program next week on February 18th because of the President's Day holiday in the States. Talk to you in two weeks. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.